Hello, welcome back to the Citizen Power podcast. I'm Barsha Thapa and I'm Mon Gishi. In this series, we are going to explore what is important for refugee and migrant persons to thrive rather than just survive. I guess through this podcast, we want to implement our lived experiences and knowledge in understanding refugee life, culture and all that impacts the way we lead our life in Australia. We can talk about it extensively and it will it will be very hard to cover and explain everything in this podcast. So all we can do is try our best. So before we get to the meaty part, let's begin with introductions and our own experiences of being refugees in Australia. Again, I'm Barsha and I identify as a woman of color. I came to Australia in 2009 as a refugee and back then there were only about 3 refugee families from my Bhutanese community who had resettled here. So if I'm not wrong, you came here right after me to Newmon. Yes, um that is correct. So my family and I migrated to Australia at the end of 2011, I think. and yeah also as a refugee my experience was uh, fairly similar to you basha i came to uh, uh, i came to australia through my neighbors back in the refugee camp so we were initially supposed to be resettled in launceston as our neighbors were there who were the only people who we knew, who we knew. Uh, however we were not able to do so Do you know why that happened? I'm not too sure. I think I was quite young and you know not really aware of things at that time. Oh yeah. Um I know for a fact that young people weren't very aware or consulted mm. on these matters. Resettlement was something that our parents were doing for us and we sort of just had to be passive about it. Yeah, totally. I remember though that, you know, my family used to be very reluctant to migrate to Australia at the beginning, especially my grandmother. I still remember when we told the news to my grandmother that we are starting our process with UNHCR to migrate to Australia. She was very upset and you know, she would not even talk to us for days. Wow. Yeah, I think um my grandmother was very scared as you know we were all unaware of what it was actually like in Australia. It was completely foreign to us. Um I remember my grandparents um telling me that they had a great life in Bhutan, you know, having uh you know having access to proper food. clothes shelters and all that all the necessities uh, one would need but however when um they migrated to nepal in the refugee camp everything was different with a constricted amount of resources 
And um, because of that, we had to work very hard to survive. Yeah, so the job prospect were also very limited. Um, my father had to travel far away from home to get employment. He at times had to go there for like about six months to earn money and support my family. I remember when he was away, my mom was the main caretaker of the family as you know, my siblings and I were very young and not being able to provide financial support. Mm. My dad also uh, used to live outside of the camp for work purposes. He was a teacher and it was a five or so hours drive away from the camp. Mm. And I also wasn't able to see him for long periods of time, just like you, Mon. Mm. Isn't it so interesting that, you know, we have so many similarities in our experiences? Yeah, it is very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, so um, my mom was, you know, usually unwell. And because of that, she was not able to do much labor. Um, I remember at times when my father was away, we did not have much um, so sustaining livelihood was very challenging. Sometimes uh, we would only eat plain rice for our breakfast, lunch, and even dinner. Mm. So I remember um, when he came when he came back from work, like um, after like six months or so, he would bring us a lot of food and clothing. I used to be so happy that finally we ha- don't have to struggle anymore. That, you know, I don't have to worry about my mom struggling and that everything will be okay. And if I remember it correctly, I think um, I was about seven or eight at that time. That's very young. Yeah, I w- it was quite young. <laughs> yeah, so one of the reasons why, you know, we thought of migrating to Australia was because my mom was chronically ill. Um, my mom was usually sick and, you know, access to proper medical care was very expensive. Yeah, there was a lot of um, poor health in our camps, weren't there? Yeah. I remember um, my mom being so sick at times that everyone thought that she may not leave. I think um, my mom's health was the core reason that um, we migrated to Australia. It must have been so traumatizing for you as a child. I'm really sorry to hear that, Mon. Yeah, um, it was a quite very trauma, tra- traumatic experience for me. Um, and I think living in refugee camp with, you know, tremendous hardship. I was very excited to migrate to Australia, I guess, for a better life. Um, I still remember the level of excitement I felt on my way here. Um, I imagine my life in Australia to be fulfilled with no challenges in being able to access proper food, water, and other necessities, which was, I guess, completely different from what it was like in the refugee camp. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, although um, when we arrived in Hobart, it was not what I had expected. Um, so it was very, you know, isolating experience we lived in Warren in a government house for six months or so. Um, it was so isolating as there were only few more Woodney's uh, family at the time. So um, at that time, I guess Australia was very um, white dominated space. 
uh, I still remember my mom and I having conversation about it. We both uh, we we both talked about how you know we wanted to go back to the camp, mm. and the culture was also significantly different to what we have known. So um, back in Nepal, we were so connected and collective that we could walk into any neighbor's house and have conversations. But in Hobart, I felt so isolated, you know, not knowing anyone. The culture, which I found um, was very individualized, and that was something that I was not familiar with. Wow. Um I've actually had a very, very similar experience to you, Mon. Hmm. I remember that when the International Organization for Migration, yeah, IOM as we know it, mm. came to our camp, um, telling us that we can now migrate to another country and live there as proper citizens, I was very iffy about it at at first. So um, didn't really want to leave behind the familiarity, the family and belonging I felt as a child in my birthplace. Mm. Yeah, I understand that it must be very challenging, you know, leaving behind the only place, I guess, that you have known your whole life. Yeah, it was very challenging. But you know what? Um, soon after... A lot of families started applying and it started being the most normal thing to do. And my parents had also applied, so my sister and I don't have to live a refugee life like they had. Yeah. So families decided to go abroad and lead a normal human life where younger generations can have a bright future and have all the resources and opportunities that our adults were deprived of. So just like your grandparents, my grandfather was also not very happy with this decision. Mm. Um, he didn't want to go to a foreign country and leave his community and his culture behind. And this was in almost all elders in my refugee camp. And I'm positive that the seven refugee camp sectors in Nepal also felt the same way. So yeah, it, it took a lot of um, explaining and prioritization for the older adults to go on with this decision, whereas children weren't um, really consulted. Yeah, um, now that I think of it, I, I believe I was not consulted as well. Our parents, you know, kind of made the decision for us. Yeah, um, I remember that during the processings for migration, they had given a booklet where there was um, one small passport-sized photo of Hobart City. Yeah. And this photo was the only reference that I had to my new home. Mm. So living in a place that had no electricity, no internet, there was no way that I could find out what Hobart is actually like. And yeah. neither did our parents. And now that I look back at it, it seems very, very scary. I can totally relate to um, what you were saying, Barsa. So, and how frightening that must have been. Mm. Um, you know, during the orientations to come to Hobart, we also were given a photo of Hobart City mm. and provided with, you know, some general information about Hobart. Mm. So um, from my memories, um, I remember them telling me a bit about uh, um, basic information about like, you know, traffic lights, zebra crossing and how to use a vacuum 
how to call the police and you know things like that yeah they didn't really give us um adequate amount of information and the information that we had it wasn't in very much detail so as a child all mm. we knew was that this new country that we're going to was a much better place to live in yeah. compared to our camp and people started making theories about what life would be like in a foreign country we thought that it will all be so advanced full of technology and magical machines where you don't have to do any labor and can live at rest and at peace yeah i also feel the same um same way to be honest yeah um my friends started flying to other countries to live there permanently and i began normalizing and being excited about migration however um when i came here it was just so so different from what i imagined mm. it was freezing cold and i had no one else around except for one of my cousin's family mm. it was just so isolating and depressing and it did not feel right for just such a long amount of time yeah it 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 was very traumatizing as a child yeah i was in disbelief that this is actually my life now and mm. i was actually convinced that me migrating to australia was just a dream and mm. i would suddenly wake up yeah. and be back in my house in nepal with all my friends around and this went on for months a uh, 3 to 4 months i would say and um yeah i i actually used to be really disappointed and depressed when i would wake up in my bed in hobart and since there was an unspoken expectation that we needed to be grateful for our new home mm. and all the um opportunities that it offers i never told anyone about what was going on in my head yeah and maybe because i thought that it would just make everything real mm. plus the the lack of quality education um in our camps and basically no education for our adults and elders meant that i had no idea that it was my mental health that was being compromised and at that time i didn't even know what mental health actually was never heard of that term before yeah i'm so sorry to hear that um that must be such a challenging experience for you you know considering you were just a child Yeah I completely understand you know how you might have been feeling coming from this collective culture where you would most likely to be surrounded by many people um and I do agree the mental health aspect of our resettlement was not acknowledged at all yeah. especially you know having not having education on mental health made it worse and really difficult to cope with Yeah, it, it was very challenging and confusing. Um the case workers, the volunteers, UNHCR, IOM, none of them explained what actually happens to our brain and our psychology when yeah. we take such a big step and resettle. Mm. And um yeah, today I understand that that was in fact a very big trauma that I had gone through. Yeah. but at that time i didn't even consider that there was something wrong mm. yeah so um being both a psychology and social work student i am now so much more aware and informed about 
the human mind and well-being and how communities function and sustain. Yeah. And I'm really thankful that I can visit these memories and observe myself and the changes and the traumas that my mind and soul had to go through. I'm so sorry to hear that your experience was not that great in the beginning. Yes, um I do agree that you know the case workers and volunteers were not focused on our mental health aspect of the resettlement. Now um that uh doing a bit of social work, I guess mm. as well. I think um I feel like it was quite essential thing to, you know, talk about. Yeah, Mon, thank you. Um it does feel really great to talk about these things and I guess that is one of our purposes in this podcast mm. to talk about things that we don't really talk about as yeah. communities who have gone through so much of these hardships of not feeling physically or mentally or emotionally safe yeah um and being people who have been deprived of so many basic human rights in the last citizen power podcast series we explored the topics of neoliberalism apathy and racism In this 2.0 version of the podcast, we are bringing Mon and my experience to talk about thriving beyond resettlement. Here, we shared our initial experience of resettlement in Australia. In the coming episodes, we will talk about culture, trauma, racism, and other factors that have impacted on our resettlement journey. We are keen to share this with our refugee family and anyone who has gone through the resettlement journey to foster a sense of sense of solidarity, unity and commonness. We also want to tell others about our healing journey as refugees. We believe that language is a powerful tool and we want to use this platform to celebrate our cultural heritage. Thank you for tuning in guys. We will meet you shortly with a new episode. Thank, Thank you. you.